Hey guys, good morning. Welcome. Hey, we're going to get started. Hey, I'm really glad that you are uh, here today. And uh, also a quick shout out to those who are watching at home or, or listening at home, but glad you guys are here. This is our first, uh, what I'm calling, uh, an hour of sharpening. Um, this is replacing our men's breakfast, I wish. We were sitting around a big table right now, uh, enjoying a wonderful breakfast, but I do not know when that's gonna happen, okay? But I'm glad that you guys are here. Hopefully we'll get back to that. But the whole hour of sharpening, that the plan with that is, this is something that I'll be hosting throughout the year, bringing in different guest speakers. I'll be sharing, different pastors sharing on all topics related to, to men, um, and sometimes more specifically to dads. And this is awfully, it's just something I'm very passionate about because I see this as a sharpening opportunity, all right, for us to sharpen one another, for us to grow, to be more like Jesus. And so uh, I'm gonna introduce our guest speaker here in a second. Um, but just so you know, um, we'll, do, we'll, we'll be doing these kind of throughout the year. Um, after uh, Daniel shares, I'll have a few announcements for you too. Just some other things going on in our, our men's ministry that I'm gonna want you uh, to know about. So um, thank you for coming. I'm gonna pray and then I'm gonna introduce Daniel. Father, thank you for this opportunity uh, to be sharpened, uh, to grow, to learn. Um, it's our heart's desire to be more like your son, Jesus. And I know you use opportunities like this uh, to make that happen. Um, so I'm thankful uh, that we could gather. I'm thankful for the technology that allows us to view things like this online. And Father, I ask that you would help us to make the most of our time together. Uh, it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, so uh, Daniel Harkavy, I'm sure many of you know him. He's going to be sharing this morning. Daniel has become a really good friend over the last 12 years, and uh, he was a former elder here. He was the, uh, the, the founder and CEO of, of Building Champions, and, uh, but more importantly, though, Daniel really loves Jesus. He loves people. Um, he's very intentional with how he lives. I know many of you have heard him speak before, and I know I learn something every time um, I have the, the opportunity uh, to, to be with him. And so he's got a word uh, for us as men, and I'm sure it's going to be challenging and equipping, and uh, I'm sure we're going to enjoy it too. So Daniel, please come up. Let's give uh, Daniel a round of applause. Thank you, bud. Thanks, man. Well, good morning. We can, uh, we can now clearly see in past years who came for the bacon and who came for the talk. So there's a good chance some folks are watching this after the fact on, uh, on uh, you know, whatever digital platform, YouTube or whatever. And, and we know you're home eating bacon and that's not cool. So we miss all of you men and boy oh boy, it's great to see you guys. It's great to see my young men crew over there too. Really good. So this is going to be one where I am going to read uh, a good part of it, and uh, going to tell some stories. I'm going to talk about some of you sitting here, and I really do think what I get to talk about today is uh, critically important, especially right now, especially right now. I'm calling this Just Show Up, Just Show Up. You have no idea what happens when you just show up. I notice that I cry more often as I'm getting older. I don't ever remember crying when I was in my teens, ever. I don't ever remember crying when I was in my, my 20s. Then in my 30s, my buddy, my dog died. And uh, I remember uh, like weeping on the front porch when I realized he wasn't coming back. And then uh, into my 30s, I lost a few friends and I journeyed with them and their families through the heart-wrenching process of grief and, and I cried. And then again in my late 40s when my next best four-legged friend, Eli, died. Oh, I, I cried. And now I'm going to be 57. And in the past year, I've become a grandfather two times. And I notice in my 50s, I'm waterworks, like I'm a freaking nightmare. And I saw some of you as I stood up on a podium like this three weeks ago, doing a memorial for a young man, and have journeyed with that family for the last three weeks, 
um, but really journeyed with that family for years. And one family member in particular who's lived with us for a year and a half. And I'm spent, I, uh, I went to a memorial last night at the beach for one of my friends that passed away last year. And we did a paddle out. And Emily, my 17-year-old, came down to do this with me. And there were more than 100 of us in the ocean all holding hands and doing the Hawaiian surfer burial of the ashes, spreading of the ashes. And it was really beautiful. I was there till uh, about 5.30 this morning. And uh, I, I, I need to share that with you because um, if I am more emotional today, I... I don't want any of you to worry about, oh, golly, Mike brought in this guy, and he's just unstable. I I am unstable, but there's reason. There's been a lot of pain lately. I think it was either December or January. December of 2019 or January of last year. And I was sitting right there which is where Sherry and I sit most often. We'll usually hang out over here. And uh, the worship team was leading us. Yeah, it's gonna come. I was worshiping, and I was in a really good spiritual spot. Just so good. And I was sitting right over here. And maybe some of you guys have had this experience. I'm sitting here and I'm worshiping. And as an elder of the church for 20 years, Dave, you know this. Jeff, you know this. We had a job to do, and the job was to make sure the flock was healthy. So we would scan the room. And I'm sitting here and I'm worshiping and I'm scanning the room. Looking at all my brothers, looking at my sisters. We all okay? You all all right? Praying for wherever I feel the Lord is going to lead. And sitting right there is John Carlock. Y'all remember John? I've journeyed with John for two and a half decades. John and his beautiful wife, Charlene, who's fighting dementia. John, in this COVID year, had a heart attack and passed. But I'm looking at John, and I'm thinking, man, I first met John because I was friends with his kids when I moved to Oregon. They were in my Sunday school class that me and a buddy led. And I remember meeting these kids' parents, John and Charlene. And they had a passion for Pacific City, which is where I have a passion for. And I would run into John and Charlene all the time down at Pacific City, run into them at Hot Creek Cafe, and we shared a dinner together one night, just serendipitously just happened. I remember John and Charlene inviting my parents who live in California, but they would come up and stay with me, my Jewish non-believing parents, when they would stay at the beach and the Carlocks would stay at their kids' beach house, John and Shalane would reach out to my parents and have them over. And I was just thinking, thank God for John as I'm watching him with his, his slowly decaying wife. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. John is such a godly man. He's an example for me. Bear with me here. John, last story. So, you young guys know Nova. Nova's the 17-year-old that lives with us, and she had a a rough go before she moved in. I'm not sharing anything that I shouldn't, right? I've loved Nova since I first met her, loved her like a daughter, met her when she was nine one of the many, many kids that have been a part of our family's fold. Opportunities to love on these young people and hopefully show them who Jesus is as father. You just, such a high calling, right? Was one of our first Sundays here with Nova and John and Charlene were leaving. We were all leaving together. And Charlene, who doesn't remember me because of the dementia, she doesn't remember me. She comes up and I say, hi, Charlene, and I give her a hug when we used to be able to hug. And, and John's standing in the background. She says, I remember you, but I don't remember you. And I say, I'm, I'm Daniel, and 
we spent time at the beach and I've known you for years and I love you and I love you and your kids. And, and then she looks at Nova standing next to me. She grabs Nova's face. Nova's had a hard time. And Charlene grabs her face and just goes, oh, sweetie, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. God loves you so much. And she's just holding her. And I can see John standing back there getting a little concerned, like, okay, my wife's holding this teenage girl's face. Is this okay? And I'm looking at John going, good, we're good. John stands back. And Charlene, in her state of dementia, is used to see Nova and to love on her. And I look at John, and I'm like, oh. John showed up with his wife in not the best shape that she's been in. And he taught me, and he showed me what loving your wife's like, how to journey through the phases of life. He showed me. He didn't sit down and, and open up the word with me. He didn't need to. He lived the word for me. He showed me. Him and his family. So as I'm sitting over there, and I'm having this moment where it's like, oh, thank you, Lord, for John. I look a few rows over, and I see John Wharton sitting right here with Kate. Same story, 25 years ago, different church. John, who becomes a friend, a mentor, fellow board member. John's 20 years older than I am. He's called me out on my own trash many a time. He's opened the word and got in my face, and I've needed it. And I see John, and I'm like, oh, thank you, John. Thank you, God, thank you. Thank you, John, thank you for showing up. And then I look a little further back, and I see this silver fox, gray-haired guy. Yeah, you, Nopper. You. Previous elder, constant encourager, and prayer warrior always ready to join in with the men as we met for breakfasts, as we served by cleaning yards together, as we did men's ministry. Nopper, I've always seen you. I've always seen you. And I'm sitting over there and I'm like, thank you. Thanks for just showing up. And then I look and I see Jerry Friesen and he's worshiping with his family, worshiping. Always there, always wanting to ask, always wanting to listen. Daniel, how are you? I want to know what's going on. Always there to encourage. And then I look up in the front and I see Pat Grill. Some of you may know Pat and his wife Cheryl, his brother, his kids, his dad, who's always greeting. Some of you might or might not remember when he went through one of the most horrific things that a man could ever go through as a father. And I sat over there just going, oh, thank you for showing up. He didn't quit. He didn't quit. He could have walked away from his faith. He didn't quit. He showed up. Just showed up over and over again. Look across. I see Scott Bradley. You can't miss Scott Bradley. He's huge. Scott Bradley, years ago, answers a call and he says, why not me? Why won't, wouldn't I open up a place to where all day, every day, 24 hours a day, me and my wife would serve the addicted, the homeless, the outcast. He runs Five Rock Ranch. Scott's never had to open the word with me. He's never, he's never needed to, to give me a, a lesson. He is a lesson. He answered the call and he just showed up. Phenomenal. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm having this all during my worship service. I look to my left again, and there I see you, Dean. You faithful warrior. You faithful warrior. Dean, since the first time I walked through this church more than two decades ago, you're an anchor. You're always there. You're faithful, brother. You've always got a smile. You're always interested. 
you always encourage. When all the new folks come to the Introducing River West, you're always there. You're always there to greet. You're always there to help people to know the story and to help them to feel welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. My mind drifts and I reflect on a few brothers who've moved away but have served by my side and worship here with many of you over the years. You guys will remember Jim Hamilton and Steve Woolley. Those guys were the ones that taught me to be an elder. And then the elders who I had the privilege of serving with for almost two decades. Dave, Daniel, my brother, every time I see you. Thank you. Thank you. You stepped up, you sacrificed, you gave. Always showing up. Always looking for Christ in the midst. And how do we make him famous? And how do we breed Christ here and gospel here? Always the conversation. Always praying together. Then I found myself thanking God for Guy Gray, who answered the call to start the church, who then led and welcomed me and many others in. I talked to him yesterday, or the day before yesterday. He's in California right now. I said, Guy, thanks for answering the call. Looking on the stage, I see my son-in-law. I'm looking around the room. I see you, Mike. I'm still sitting over there. This is the same service, guys. Lord, thank you for Mike. Thank you for Adam, Eric, Colin, Christopher, all the brothers who devote themselves to serving and leading me and my family full-time. So there I am in this service, and I'm just total tears of gratitude. He's so good. God's so good. He's so good because he shows up in the brotherhood. Can you imagine? Can you imagine walking with Christ alone? Can you imagine what would happen if you wouldn't show up and wouldn't have brothers to your left and your right? Mark, I see you. Man, you've been a... And now I know I'm going to offend people because I won't be able to say something beautiful about everybody, but this is what the Lord gave me there and then. But I see you guys. Oh, golly, I see you. I sat there December 19 or January 20, I don't remember when it was, and I went, ah, as I have this little worship experience, this sense of immense gratitude for all of you men who have poured into my life, who have allowed me to share or have shared with me by showing up, I sat here and this is what happens to me. This is how God speaks to me. I went, that's my message for the men. That's my message for the men. Mike asked me if I would speak. Mike, I would love to speak. March 2020. I'm game. I'm in. And then a very large client says, no, you're not going to speak. You're going to Germany. Ooh. And I'd actually pulled that off the year before where I left here and flew to Germany exactly that same day. But it wasn't going to work this time, so I had to end up saying no. And as it was, while I was in Europe, the week this was supposed to happen a year ago, a year ago when? What day? Today. A year ago today. A year ago today is when Trump closed the borders. A year ago today. A year ago today is when this whole COVID pandemic shut the world down. What have we missed in the last year? It's the first time I've seen some of you in more than a year. Missed the brotherhood. How y'all doing? How y'all doing, Lone Rangers? How y'all doing without that look of, hey, how are you? It's good to see you, brother. I'm praying for you. I can go pray for you over in the corner. You want to grab coffee? Just that encouraging look? What's the dominant emotion, guy? The last year, what is the dominant emotion you guys have felt in the last year? Who would be so bold as to tell? The last year, my dominant emotion has been? Frustration. Frustration. 
unsettled, lonely. Doesn't need to be bad. Some of you feeling grateful and humble and lovely, and that's good too. It's been a year. It's been a year. In this last year, during my face downtime, my morning time, my sweet time, the Apostle Paul, he's been the one that I've been studying. Studying him and his relationship with Christ and studying him and his relationship with the brotherhood. What a warrior. What a warrior. I remember the first time that the book of Acts really came to life for me. And I may have talked about this before with you guys. But I was reading the book of Acts and... uh, I was being discipled back then, and I'll talk more about Dennis Blevins in the moments ahead, but I remember reading the book of Acts, and all of a sudden, I saw it visually, and it reminded me of a great Western movie, and I love Westerns, but like, you know, as they're, as they're sneaking Paul out at night so that the bad guys don't kill him because they know he's going to be killed, right? And you just start to imagine this kind of almost Western scene. It was amazing. And I just remember that. So I went right back to the book of Acts because we know in the book of Acts, the church starts. The way. That's when we were all called to come together in a different way than had the previous men who were religious, the Jews. It was different. It was a different message. It was a different mission. See, when the Jews would come together, the Jews would discuss and debate and go deep and ponder here in their community. And it was all around this. But when the way started, when Jesus came, when the Messiah came, he said, okay, this huddle, we're going to break it up. You guys are going to be together and you're going to be fueled together, but you're going to go show the world the way. And they all started moving And it was a different model. And I loved watching Paul and how he did that in his time. So, when you look at how he and the church started, you understand if guys are going out and spreading, you understand that Jesus always said, he said, don't go alone. He, he would tell people to go, guys to go in pairs, right? Go in pairs. About 20 years ago, I, um, I read a book and then had the privilege of going to a retreat that was uh, led by the author of the book, Wild at Heart. And some of you have read Wild at Heart, John Eldridge, and it was just a great, a great movement. And John's still at it with Ransomed Heart and doing beautiful things. Talk to him during COVID. And there's a guy that's going out of his mind. But he brought to me the concept of the band of brothers. I wasn't familiar with it before. The band of brothers and that term. And, uh, and then some of you might remember 20 years ago, we at River West, we started Radical Pursuit, where we taught some of the concepts from, band of, from uh, Wild at Heart. And what John said was that men need to come together selflessly to fight a battle, to love one another, to serve side by side in a process. And he said, we're going to suffer, but you're going to become this band of brothers. And every guy needs a battle to fight, a beauty to rescue, an adventure to live. That was his deal. But the battle to fight was the spiritual battle. The battle to fight and the adventure to live, the adventure to live was a Christ-honoring life. And it's an amazing adventure. But there is a battle to fight, and there is an enemy. And that enemy is coming after us. And that enemy won't stop. This band of brothers being together, it's so key. Now as a soon-to-be 57-year-old, I, I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't experience the joy that I get to experience. 
I wouldn't get to experience the peace that I get to experience, the hope that I get to experience. I'm confident of that. If the Lord wouldn't have allowed me to experience you guys and you just showing up. The Jesus in you connects with the Jesus in me and, and fans the flame. And it doesn't need to be a formal every Saturday deal. It can be just showing up. But for some of us, it needs to be a formal Saturday because we need to have, we need to have somebody. We need to have at least one guy we can call upon. We need to have at least one guy we can call upon should we have need. It's that one guy that'll pick up the phone 24-7. We have to. In the military, there's a medal given to those who make the greatest of selfless sacrifices to serve our country and their brothers, and it's called the Congressional Medal of Honor. It's all about brotherhood. It's all about laying down your own life for fellow humanity and for a cause. The brotherhood and just showing up is what I want to talk about this morning, and I have several random and very connected thoughts to share, and my hope is that our time together will encourage you to show up. It will encourage you to engage. It will encourage you to fan the flame, to be the guy that always calls, to be the guy that always checks in on. Now, we can't do that for everybody. We can't do that for everybody, but we need to have our band of brothers we need to have a few. We do it not with an expectation that if I call you, you'll call me back. We do it because we want to selflessly, sacrificially love one another and encourage one another. I want to encourage you, whether you're 17, 18, 19, or 20, well, whether you're on the other side in your 70s or greater, be that brother, be that friend. Don't shrink back right now. It's been a year. It's time. We need to move forward. We need to re-engage. We need to serve together. We need to be cleaning up people's yards together. We need to be showing this community that Christian men, men, who follow Christ, love deeply. We're not an army of judges, we're an army of lovers. We love, we give, we sacrificially, sacrificially show up for the benefit of others. Nothing better. We pray with, we sit with, we walk with. That's what we do, we get to do that. The guys that I mentioned that I was just reflecting on as I was sitting over there in that service, some of them served by just showing up and by modeling Jesus, by how they love their wives and their kids like Jesus instructs us to. Others by taking time to take me to coffee or buy me a beer and challenge me or encourage me. Others by going on a mission trip with me to here, there, or anywhere. Some of them by serving on Saturdays with me, going to homes and and help him clean up. Some with opening God's word with me. Some with shepherding me. Some challenging me. Sharpening me. Making time for me. Loving me. They each and countless other men over the years have just shown up. Young men, your band of brothers, nothing better. I see what you guys have. I can show you my phone. My phone is lit every stinking Friday from my high school friends that are all now walking with Christ. Now, it wouldn't have happened, but I just kept inviting them in, kept inviting them in, kept inviting them in. I had them all up here a couple years ago for a surf little weekend. All of them now Christian. Back when we all hung out when we were your age, ooh, we were trouble. If we were in around, anywhere around your families, you guys would have had guns out and cops around bad. And these are all great, wonderful men. It's my band of brothers. And I've added some others over the years, but you can't have 50. Few. Being in this band of brothers, it's not easy. And it's not easy for a reason. You know, sometimes us guys, we, 
we take our eyes off the fact that there really is an enemy and it's not one another. There's an enemy that's opposing us at every corner. We get too busy for the brotherhood. We become too successful for the brotherhood. We don't need it, don't need you. We become too tired, become too cool. We're too different. Oh, you're too Jesus-y. Maybe we've had some past experiences with the brotherhood where we tried, but we weren't welcomed. We weren't seen or we weren't heard. Or maybe our deepest wounds came from a brother. I've been there. Been there. But you don't give up on the brotherhood. Because I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm not above reproach. I've hurt brothers. I've been the guy that has needed to say, please forgive me over and over again. Grace, patience, forgiveness, move forward. The brotherhood's worth it. It's worth it. Maybe you had expectations of one another to be above reproach, and as you got closer and saw under the hood and what this guy was really dealing with and that he didn't have all of his crap together, you're like, yeah, I'm not gonna go here. Oh, come on. That's when you press in. That's when you press in. That's not when you turn your back. We're all on a journey towards Christ. Some with more intention, some with more momentum, some with more tailwinds, others with more headwinds. Keep your eyes on the lookout for that brother. Why this message now? Because I truly believe that we're in a season where it's been harder than ever before. You think about the enemy. If you're gonna believe in God and you're gonna believe in Christ, oh, please believe in Satan. Please give him his rightful place. Please believe in the story of the fallen angels. Please, as much as you love Jesus and take communion, please understand there's an enemy. If you don't get that, well, then you're gonna be looking around and pointing your fingers at the wrong enemy all day and it's gonna cause you relational problems and it's gonna actually hinder your ability to love like Christ because you're gonna think your enemy is he or she and that's never our enemy. We're told that black and white, crystal clear. You're not my enemy. There's an enemy. He's cunning. He's like a prowling lion just waiting to devour. I like to think about the strategy of the mystical. I love to think of the strategy of the spiritual battle. Over the last three weeks, as I've journeyed through with this family, suicide of a 15-year-old, I've questioned my faith. The hell's with this story. Loving God, how does this happen? This family loves you. And now my family's wrestling with our faith. Here we are, but I know who my enemy is and I know who the victor is. We're not gonna lose our way. We're gonna wrestle and it'll make us stronger. But there's an enemy. And as you study strategy, if I try to come at all you guys right now and I bring all of my ferocious five foot 10, 165 pounds of, yeah, intimidating, huh? And I bring all that to you right now. I don't stand a chance because all you guys are just gonna pounce on me, right? But if I sneak up on one over here and he doesn't see me, he's isolated. He doesn't have a band of brothers. There's nobody looking out for him. And I sneak up because I'm a prowling lion and I can sneak up from the back and get him from behind the knees with a big stick. I can take him down. It's the enemy's strategy. Isolate, isolate, isolate. Don't look each other in the eyes. Don't smile at each other. Gosh, these masks. I'm so sorry. I see your smile. I need to see your smile. Can't wait. The enemy doesn't want us to see. The enemy doesn't want us to hug. I need your hugs. The enemy doesn't want us to greet and touch. <clears throat> All his little guys, first thing we would do when we got to play together We'd wrestle. It's in us. Isolate, isolate. We're in a really difficult time and we need to be aware. 
1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Hey, brothers, don't let it be me. Don't let it be me. You know who you need to call. You know who you need to check in on. Don't let it be him. Don't let it be him. Who is it that the devil's circling around? You haven't seen him in a while. Haven't talked to him in a while. You know he's maybe on the fray. Hey, young men, don't get all caught up on sin. It's it's actually a tactic of the enemy. See, the enemy wants you to be so focused on sin and yours and why you're not good enough and his and why he must not be a Christian The enemy gets you so wrapped around the axle around that that all of a sudden you move into this performance and judgment thing, which is not the gospel. The enemy's got you. See, if we just focus on Jesus more and love Jesus more and spend more time with him and spend more time with others and we allow the Holy Spirit to be the judge, that's not our job. And and we ask for forgiveness when we blow it. Young men, you see all these older guys? They sin. Not me. I, no, me too. It happens. It's a little dishonest lie. It's a little look. It's one too many. It's worshiping this too much. It's these thoughts. We're a work in progress every day, becoming more like Christ, but not yet Christ. We haven't been perfected, we live in a broken world. The enemy, he's trying to get us and he's trying to get us off track. And Jesus is going, come on, man, brokenhearted, I love you. Come on, guys, I love you. Now love on one another. Be there for one another. That's your job. John 15, 12 through 17. I'm gonna give you bits and pieces of verses that prop up the brotherhood, all right? John 15, 12 through 17, it's a long one. I won't read the whole thing to you, but Jesus is saying, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment. Hey guys, this is what I think you should do. Like if you feel like it, you should love one another. Oh no, he wasn't talking like that. Hey guys, this is my commandment. You listening? You listening? I want you to love one another. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And, and let me tell you about my love for you. You're going to see something gnarly like you've never seen before. My love for you. You see, because greater love has no one than this, than someone who would lay down his own life for his friends. Congressional Medal of Honor stuff. And oh, and guys, and this is the most important thing. This is the most important thing. The God of the universe, the one who created us, the one who said, I really like Mark. I'm gonna make him just the way he is. He's gonna have more hair than Daniel, but I still like Daniel. He makes Mark. He makes Daniel. He makes Owen. He makes you guys. And he says, I'm making you. And as I'm making you, I so love you. I so love you. I can't wait to see how you love me back as a result of how you love me and how you love one another. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. I love you so much that I'm gonna lay down my life for you. Galatians 5, 23. It's the fruit of the spirit, guys. When I was looking at all of you men on that experience I had back in December or January, I was thinking about the guys that I mentioned. It's because they have the fruit of the Spirit. Help me. Fruit of the Spirit. What do we have? Love. Against these things there is no law. Hey, young men, remember I said don't focus on sin? 
focus on fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Focus on that. Oh, Lord, I want more of that today. I was in my 40s and doing what I get to do. I get to help business leaders figure out how to be better in business and in life. And I've got 25 years now doing it. Walked with a lot of leaders. In my 40s, I found myself in one of my reflective postures and, uh, and really just saying, what is it that I'm most after in my life? What is it? It's peace. It's love. It's joy. It's faithfulness. Like, if I could wake up and fill the fruit of the Spirit every day, if I could get out of bed and just inside, in the very core of my being, if I could feel ah, eyes awake, open, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. If I could just feel self-control, if I could feel that from the time my eyes open until the time my eyes closed, and if that's what you knew me by, and if the Lord brought me home, and you were like, hey, uh, yeah, we're gonna celebrate Harkavy's life, and, and what you talked about was, you know when I was with them? Love, joy, peace. Like, he brought that out in me. And if I felt that, if my wife felt that, if my kids felt that, if those closest to me felt that, nothing better. Nothing better. Nothing more important than those closest to me and then those that the Lord brings me through to feel Jesus Christ in me because that's the only place that fruit's coming from. You wanna know who I am without that fruit? You wanna know who I am without Christ? Uh, you don't. You don't. I sleep with me. I watch, I watch the game tapes after a tired day. I see my shortcomings. I'm still a work in progress. I need to pray more. I need more of him in me. Hebrews 10, 23 and 24. Hey, brothers, do not forsake the assembling together as is the manner of some, but encourage one another in order to stir up love and good works, even so much more as you see the day approaching. I'm not going to go to church today. I'm not going to go to the men's breakfast or lack of breakfast. I'm not going to show up. <sighs> Just not doing it for me. I got stuff to do. I'd rather sleep. I'm busy. I need to get ready for the week. Waves are good. I'd rather go surfing. Do we have a, a mentality that church is something that is supposed to feed us? Because as I read that, it doesn't say, hey, brothers, only get together if as a result of the getting together makes you feel good and you take something from it. And I can tell you in, in my past, I've been that guy on Sunday. I've been that guy on a breakfast. I've been that guy. You know what? I'm not going to get anything out of it. Oh, you arrogant punk. No, come together. Come together. Don't be like those folks that aren't doing it because the enemy, enemy will get you there. Come together to encourage one another. Oh, so I have a job to do? Yeah, I have to encourage one another. Why? To stir up love and good works. End of story. Why? Who gets the fame if we men of God Come together and we stir up love and good works. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. Selfless. Go out. Give. Love. Risk. Come on, guys. Who gets the fame? Christ does. And then what happens? Then the kingdom on earth pops. Now it's 3D. It's technicolor. People can't avoid it. And the world is not getting more lovey-dovey. You've seen what happened in Portland this year. This isn't Kumbaya Portland. 
This is chaos. And this is where we are. All sorts of Christians are leaving Portland. Why? Why? Why do we want to leave? Is that what Christ called you to do? Hey, people, like leave if, if the going gets tough and if the world gets dark. No, he actually tells us. It's going to get tar- darker. It's going to get rougher. Show up. Like if I need a band of brothers 10 years ago in comparison to today, today I need one big time. This is where we are. There's no utopia. I spent some good time in Hawaii in January. It's beautiful. Warm water, warm tropical air. I'd like to spend more time there. But this is my home. It's where the Lord's got me. No utopia over there. Meth, rape, addiction, crime, depression. It's all happening over there. That's one of the nicest places you can go to in the United States. We don't, we don't avoid brokenness by leaving. When I first moved here in 1995, I was a spiritual baby, eight years as a Christ follower. I'm involved with Promise Keepers, and Promise Keepers, the leaders come in and they tell us we're volunteering to build the, uh, the Eugene event, and they're walking the room, we're in a planning meeting down in Eugene, and they're walking the room and they're like, gentlemen, get ready for spiritual warfare. And I'm like hearing Twilight Zone music, spiritual warfare, what are you talking about? And like, we are going to bring 45,000 men together in the name of Jesus Christ. And the enemy's gonna be on the alert and he's gonna come after you. We're in the most unchurched quadrant of the United, I mean, yeah, the most unchurched quadrant of the United States. There's more witches that are registered in the Northwest than there are anywhere else in the country. And I'm listening to this stuff going, dude, you're like so Twilight zone what the heck? And it was about two weeks before I found myself in the worst shape that I'd been in in my adult life. I was like, uh-oh. Jesus is about ransoming. He's about healing the brokenhearted and set the captive free. And he does that when the brotherhood's filled up, stirring love and good works, and we're out there being a bright light in a dark community. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so shall one man sharpen one another. That happens just by showing up and then by having a relationship because we've been just showing up long enough that we can then have coffee with one another when we're worried about one another. See, if we don't show up and we don't have the relationship, then we actually don't see the opportunity to sharpen, which is all about encouraging in order to stir up love and good works. But if I don't see you, I can't sharpen you because you're absent. So just show up. Hebrews 3, 13, but exhort one another. Exhort, I call you up to. I see who you can be. I exhort you. I exhort you. Exhort one another every day. How often? Every day. As long as it's called today. Hebrews 3.13, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We're here to exhort. Now, this is what exhorting looks like. Christ loves you, he lives in you, wants to use you, more love, more love, more love. I'm here with you, brother. How can I help you? It's not, oh, you suck because... It's an encouragement to be who Christ called you to be. December 27th, just about, what, two months ago or so, three months ago, I'm down at the beach and I'm having my year-end sabbatical time. I like to go down there for a couple days solo. And as of late, I've invited my wife to come with me. She came this time and kind of in our own corners in the home and doing our own thing and I'm just praying and reflecting and journaling and, and one of the big lessons of 2020 hit me and this one's worth writing down. Our circumstances have changed but the mission has not. But circumstances have always been changing. Circumstances have always been changing. Us Americans have zero idea of what it means as a nation to suffer. And as a result of that, many are falling apart. Circumstances have changed, 
but the mission hasn't. The great commission found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Oh yeah, baptize them, teach them. Oh yeah, and I'm, I'm with you, always. I'm here with you. None of that changed. Mission didn't change. Circumstances did. So men of God, how do we adjust? We just show up. We figure out how to just show up. We figure out, depending upon where you're at with this whole virus, show up distanced. Show up, if you have to, with the mask. Show up outside. Don't isolate. Take the step. And that's why you guys are all here. You did. Thank you. Engage with one another. Just one. In the 90s, I had the good fortune of being discipled by a navigator, Dennis Blevins. Every Friday morning for about a decade, he'd come into my office and he would disciple me and some of my other business associates before you were there, Carlos. And this guy was amazing. He just grilled us on the word and the love of the word and scripture memory and and explaining the Bible as this whole process. I called him yesterday. It's like, Dennis, what are you doing tomorrow morning? I want to talk about you. Come. Dennis has 27 church leaders from Ethiopia to Uganda to everywhere else at nine o'clock going through a coaching disciple making session. He's guy 70 something. That guy is like more on fire for God's word and discipling and being with guys than anybody. It's all he's been doing his whole life. Every Friday when Dennis would be done with us after our time together in prayer, Dennis would always leave the same way and he would say, Daniel, life's not a luxury cruise, it's a battleship. Daniel, you stay in the battle. Hey guys, life's not a luxury cruise. There's some beautiful, beautiful green meadows to lie down in. There's some beautiful still waters to rest by. There's some mountaintop moments. There's all sorts of opportunities to restore your soul and and." And the king is faithful. He gives them to us. But it is a battleship. There's some hardship. There's some difficulties. We need one another in order to stay in the battle. If we become isolated, we're going to get picked off. We're just too easily picked off. God's plan was for us to be in community. It's part of his nutty love story called the gospel. He calls us. And then he says, be united, unity, unity, unity. Like there's so many verses on unity. And I'm concerned about the church as of late. Focus on the main thing, guys. The main thing is Jesus Christ being proclaimed. Is the redeeming love story of the gospel the main thing? If that's the main thing, then Get in and go to work. Stir up love and good works. That's why we're here. So young and old, a band of brothers, I say, number one, show up. And you guys all did. And for those of you who are watching this from River West, um, I understand. And I can't wait to see you again. Can't wait for you guys to show up. Can't wait to see you. Can't wait until we do get to have bacon in here again some point. This place smells better when we do that. Take the risk. Pick up the phone. Set up the time. Go see him. Check in on him. Go out of your way for him. It makes our journey with Christ so much richer when the Jesus in me gets to journey with the Jesus with you. There's some cool opportunities Mike's gonna talk about. And I'm really glad, Mike, you have been a, you've been a warrior for the men. And it's been fun to watch you to go from warrior of the young to warrior of the men and a leader of the men. And I've loved following you. So Mike's done some cool stuff. He won't be the one that will tell you, but he put together a really good study called Living Lionhearted. Go through it. 
his heart's for the men because he understands the role that dads, grandpas, that we play in the community of Christ and in the community in which we live. He's gonna talk about mentoring. Just show up. If that's you, if, if you're not in a mentoring type relationship, it's key. So much so that I just started another mentoring offering, a, a not-for-profit for America's youth. Mentoring. Sitting with somebody, listening to them, calling out the goodness in them, telling them who they were designed to be, fanning the flame, stirring up loving good works. It's 9.04. Am I done? You tell me. I have no more notes. You want to take some questions? Sure. Only if there are. Otherwise, we can bring you back up and... Are there any questions? Oh, don't all of you crowd the microphone at once. We'll use a, a number ticketing system. The answer to that question is yes. Yes. Absolutely. No. Guys, it's good seeing you. Mike, thanks for having me. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be with these men. Jesus, you're king. You're the one worthy of being praised. Lord, thank you for speaking to us. Whether it be in that small, still voice or whether it be that loud shout, whether it be in your word or through one another. Thank you for allowing us to play our little roles in your huge story. Thank you for being a forgiving, graceful father who even when we wander, you say, come back, I'm here. I'll never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. No matter what you do, I will never leave you or forsake you. I want you forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for so loving us that you would pay such a great price for us. Thank you for these men, how you fearfully and wonderfully made each and every one of them, how you knew how many hairs were on their heads before their parents ever met them. Thank you, Lord, for them showing up today. Thank you for many of them who have shown up over and over and over in the years to stir up love and good works in my own life. Lord, thank you for the privilege of allowing me to share with them. I hope you're glorified. May you be the one. May they be drawn to you, Christ. May they want to serve you, Christ. May they be bold and courageous and not concerned. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. No fear, Lord. May they enter in with one another. This is the best adventure to live, Lord. It's yours. You're the author. So be with us. Be with all the brothers that aren't here with us today that are just part of our body. I pray for blessing and favor on them. Thank you, Christ. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you, thank you. Daniel, thank you so much. Um, okay, just real quickly, Daniel mentioned two of those opportunities for us to gather just to show up, and I hope you'll take advantage of these. One of them is, uh, it's a study that I wrote. It's called Living Lionhearted. Um, it's, uh, my, basically, it's my philosophy of manhood. I created for myself. I passed it on to my son, and uh, God put it on my heart to, to put it into writing. It's in a journal format with questions for reflection, and you know, you could do it on your own, but it would be so much better to do it with a group of men. And so so on April 10th, um, it was a Saturday morning for a 10-week study. We'll be meeting here uh, to dive deep into that. Um, and it's more than just a study. I loved how Daniel explained that. A study maybe that would serve you and would help you in some way. But also it's just your chance to connect with other men, just very naturally, um, just by showing up. So please take advantage of that.
that. All the information is on the website. You can sign up um, via the website. And the other opportunity too is our mentoring. You know, we have a mentoring ministry here. We haven't talked a lot about it uh, lately, but there's a, a group of men, our fourth quarter ministry, uh, spearheaded by Don Lewis and Jeff Brown. They really want to make it uh, really easy for men to connect with other men. And we realize mentoring relationships can happen very organically, but sometimes we, we need help, you know, making those connections. And so we can make those connections if you would like to become a mentor, if you would like to uh, be a mentee. Um, that's the sharpening process where we learn and grow, you know, we're rubbing shoulders together. So um, again, more information on the website. You can actually just fill out something, let us know that you're interested and you'll get a call uh, from someone who'd love to get to know you better and, and, and make a match if possible. So that's what's coming up. We have more, um, we have, you know, the website is new, the men's ministry stuff, we've revamped some things and I'll be pointing to that more and more and uh, I hope you guys will take advantage of it. Um, Daniel, thanks again for sharing. Love the message, it applies to each and every one of us just to show up. So guys, be blessed, have a fantastic day. Uh, we love you greatly.